0: Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. uh, And I'm very pleased to be joined today by Aaron Reynolds. Aaron Reynolds is the Webby Award-winning author of f birds a comic strip pairing intricate artwork with mundane daily frustrations read by over half a million people every day. Uh, His first book, f birds a field guide to identification, hit bookstores in 2019. And for seven whole days was the best-selling book by any Canadian author not named Margaret Atwood. Uh, prior to writing f birds as his full-time gig, Aaron was a creative director for a podcast network, a software trainer for Apple, uh, and a Santa Claus photographer at the Worst Mall in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Did I get that right? Am I Mississauga? Close Mississauga. Mississauga. Ah, dang. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Apologies to the Mississaugans out there. Um, uh, thank you very much for being on the show, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So the reason I have you on today is because I want to talk to you about something I have been fascinated by for a long time and know nothing about. So there might be a lot of terrible... Awful questions here because I I am entering this topic with almost no prior knowledge. But uh, the reason I am having you on is because I want to talk about convention life. I want to talk about the economics of conventions and and what what it's like, uh, especially now post COVID, how it is. Um, so for for full context here, uh, you were just telling me you you are on a run of like five straight. Uh, co- weekends at conventions. You were just at San Diego Comic Con, which is you know arguably the biggest comic convention in the world, and utterly um, exhausting.
1: <laughs> utterly uh, exhausting.
0: So let let's talk. What is what is convention life like for you? And what what is what is the actual like uh, economics of it? I I don't understand how it works. Yeah.
1: Well, so it really depends on like where you are in the firmament of celebrity, what your convention experience is going to be like. I'm firmly down at the bottom of the D list. Um, I was uh, so for a recent show in Niagara Falls, I was on the poster, which was a big step up for me. But I was below a, a reproduction of the car from the Munsters so you know that's that's for you know just for like scale (laughs) that's where i'm at not Um, the original car from oh no no reproduction of it Gotcha. and uh, (laughs) and you can't even picture that car in your head i can't picture it in my (laughs) head anyways i'm less famous than that um so um the the thing for me is i actually got into cons because i was trying to put together a book tour for a book that didn't have I had a lot of support from my publisher but i didn't have like book tour support because i'm you know i'm not stephen king right and um and i was trying to figure out a way to get city to city in a way that would pay for itself so i could go you know sign a bunch of books and do promo for the book and um what i found was that i could i could make it work with comic cons uh because there's always a comic con every weekend in some city and uh depending on the con they'll either fly me there or they'll pay for part of my travel or they won't, but I'll make enough money at the show that it won't matter mm. if, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, uh, so like uh, to give you a picture of like of how the, the money aspect of it works on the tour, um, a show like uh, Des Moines Comic-Con, which I had a lot of fun at um, Des Moines Comic-Con is a small show. So they pay my travel uh, to get me there to appear at the show. And San Diego Comic Con is a huge show and they don't pay my travel. And I paid to have a table at that show. Mm -hmm. And that table was like the most expensive table I've ever paid for in my life. Mm -hmm. And so you're always doing sort of like this math of like if I'm paying for this table in a hotel and a flight, how much do I have to how many books do I have to sell to make this worthwhile, you know, and 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 can I make that work? And uh, for San Diego, our break even point was like $12,000. We had to do $12,000 in sales to break even on that show, which was like absurd. And, but I, I kind of wanted to do it because I wanted to do San Diego Comic-Con. Like I I probably wouldn't have done it if I didn't have some support and some help uh, from some other people who wanted me there. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it. So like, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a big show like uh, uh, Toronto, uh, Fan Expo Canada in Toronto, uh, the, the table is like $600 and, uh, you know, which is a very reasonable amount of money. And mm-hmm. I mean, I live in Toronto, so that's an easy show for me to go do. Um, right. and, uh, uh, I did a show, I did a show recently in Denver where it was a very big show and they were like, you know, we don't have any budget to fly you out for this show, but we will give you the table. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that, you know? And so it all did. All depends on the show what the costs are going to be. And then I just, Mm -hmm. I order in a ton of books from my publisher and I bring in some other, you know, merchandise. Um, Hopefully some uh, uh, high profit margin merchandise like, uh, like pins and prints, uh, Mm -hmm. which, uh, because books are, books are great. But, you know, I, I get them at half of cover price from my publisher and then I sell them for cover price. So, you know, there's, you know, you only make so much on that one. And they're They're big. big, Oh my God. They, they weigh so much. I, next time I'm going to write a paperback. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well what are the what are the logistics actually like on something like this? I mean, do you do you ship stuff ahead of time? Do you just yep. like go to the UPS store and like all right, I'm going to get six boxes of, you know, postcards, prints, uh books, etc. here? Uh, yeah. In, or um, uh,
1: even more, even more, uh, what I tend to do is, um, so for, a, I'm in Canada, I'm, i I live in Toronto and, uh, for a show in the United States, I can't really bring a lot of merchandise across the border. Uh, there's, you know, import regulation, right, and all right. kinds of stuff like that. And especially if I bring it in my luggage, they're going to check I'm on a list now, you know, I'm a guy who does business across the border, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I have my publisher send books to the venue ahead of time, so I don't have to worry about that. And then I either ship from uh, we we have a small shipping warehouse in in Ottawa where we keep a bunch of like things like pins, and I either ship a bunch of stuff from there, or in the case of prints, I usually find a local printer and have them do the prints and then pick them up when I get to town.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah,
1: that's and interesting. sometimes sometimes that can be you know disastrous, uh, but most of the time that works out. <laughs>
0: Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the difference between a smaller convention and a, and a bigger convention. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit over DM a, a few months back about going to some smaller conventions and you being surprised at like how how oh. successful it was for you. Yes. Well, yeah. What, so because I mean, you would expect like, OK, well, San Diego is going to have the most people. So that's that's obviously going to be the big draw, but not necessarily. Right.
1: Right. Well, because San Diego has the, the most people and also has the most other stuff there. So there's the most opportunity for you to get lost or overlooked, or just totally missed, if I don't do my signage right, or if I have a lousy position on the floor, like my table's not in a good traffic area, or something like that. Um, And so um, bigger shows can be worse. In fact, the worst show that I ever did was one of the biggest ones. I did a show in uh, Pittsburgh called steel city con that had, had terrible traffic flow. And so they had a huge, they had like a really great celebrity roster. And that's part of why I went, they had, they had a, Peter Weller and Ronnie Cox talking Robocop panel mm-hmm. I was like I, I want to be at that show and apparently at one point they did a stunt thing where Peter Weller punched Ronnie Cox and Ronnie Cox went through a fake glass window like on the stage as like a gag and so I was like I kind of want to leave my own table and go see that but um, <laughs> but the thing was that because of the way they had everything laid out, all the crowd stayed around the celebrity area and never came to the area with us lowly artists. And so it would be a, it was a show with like a hundred thousand people there and uh, it would go like a whole hour without seeing anybody walk down the aisle. And like that show was disastrously terrible. But on the other hand, um, I did a show in Fairbanks, Alaska, which was a very like, I don't want to say like a small attendance number. It was the show was packed, but it was a small venue with a small number of guests and vendors. And, uh, and it was at the time it was the most profitable show I'd ever done. And, uh, part of that was because the town was just really ready for a con. They had never had one before, uh, which is actually part of like the, the larger picture business side of cons. Like there's, there's a couple of guys that, um, the thing is, while I do a lot of cons, I deal generally with like three different con organizers who organize multiple cons. And one of them, his specialty is finding a city that really needs a Comic-Con, you know, and, and putting a Comic-Con there and seeing if it succeeds, you know, giving it uh, four or five years to see if he can build something out of it. And um, and so, uh, yeah, like a, a small show can be really great or a small show can just be small. And and the thing is, like the, the small shows tend to know that and tend to pay more of the, you know, the cost of getting you there if they want you there, you know, uh, because then uh, like at a small show, I'm a draw and at a big show, I'm just one more person on that list, you know? Yeah. So I might be, yeah. I might be a draw, but I'm, I'm not a Chris Hemsworth draw, you know, and I'm not
0: a, don't, it, don't sell yourself short. Don't sell <laughs> You've got, you've got that God bod, uh, working Maybe point. I'm a, maybe a <laughs> Liam Hemsworth draw. Maybe. Um, well, let me, I, I, am curious, uh, I'm curious how you define being a draw because, I mean, look, in Fairbanks, I don't know what Fairbanks, Alaska is like. I've never been to Fairbanks, Alaska. I don't want to it's judge cold. Fairb- it's Fairbanks, cold. Fairbanks, Alaska. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, and and I, I, it's hard. I, I swear I'm not trying to sound, uh, you know, dismissive. Like, I would kill for half a million readers of everything I did on a daily basis. Absolutely. But, uh, like, in Fairbanks, are people like, yes, I love effing birds. I'm coming to see Aaron. This is this is why I'm here, or is it like here's like you're at the convention? Look at this cool stuff that I do. It's funny. I've got these great postcards. I've got literally one right in front. Of, like. I've got one right in front of okay. my face to remind me of, of, you know, what I deal with every day. It's a, it's a nice little color picture of, I, it's yellow, a yellow bird, yellow finch of some sort. Um, and it just says on it, I am unsure as to why I should give a fuck about your opinion because that's how I feel all the time. But yeah, I like, feel like that one you... was made just for you. <laughs> it, w- yeah. it feels like it was me. Uh, but like, I, I, so my, my question for you is like, how do you judge, you know, uh, w- 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 what, what is being a draw at a convention like this? Right. And
1: and so the thing is, like, uh, Fairbanks is a really good example because I was at Fairbanks specifically because there were two very vocal people in the community who were hounding the con organizer to invite me, okay. which was great. But then once I got there, most of the people that I, I met had no idea who I was. And they would exactly like you say, they would come by and they would see the postcard and they'd be, oh, I, I need this, you know, and then they would. Take home an armload load of things, which was, you know, very, very gratifying to me. Who had to bring all that stuff to Fairlands, Alaska because <laughs> um, like the number one rule is like you don't want to don't want to take anything home. Sell out halfway through Sunday and don't take anything home. Um, and so I, I actually the, the funniest thing for me about San Diego Comic Con is it's the show where I've met the most people who specifically came to see me mm. um, because that's not like I mean, it happens, but it doesn't happen as much as you know, um, well, I mean, it doesn't happen as much as it, it does for like the, the guests who are at the top of the poster, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's a lot of discovery for me. And that, I mean, that's why these shows are valuable and that's why they, they work in lieu of, uh, a book tour, uh, because it's a place where, um, uh, what's a good example, Denver, Denver had 70,000 people come through that venue. And so I made a lot of new friends in Denver, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, the, the weekend after that I did Montreal comic con sixty. 3,000 people came to the venue and I made a lot of new friends in Montreal. So, you know, that's, that's really what it is. Like there are going to be some people who come because they knew know who I am, but generally it's going to be like 80% new, totally new people who don't know who I am. Mm
0: -hmm. That's cool. How, so how was Comic-Con for you? Did you hit your break even? Oh yeah, we did. We, we,
1: We made a profit, um, which I didn't expect to. Um, the, the, the thing with it was I was, um, I wasn't going to go do that show by myself i went with some guys who, who do that show fairly regularly and usually what they do is they bring in a a celebrity to their table for for part of the day you know they'll they're they're guys who do things like they do they do variant covers of comic books and then they have the uh-huh. artist do signing at the table for you know for a couple of days or something like that and um and i was like um uh i was really gun shy because the table at that show cost $3,500 for the kind of table that we had there. But that's the kind of table you need if you're going to get seen. That's like for a nice right. corner table at the end of, of an aisle. And uh, so they already had the table and they wanted to bring me in as the person, you know, signing stuff at the table. And then we did an exclusive pin set and like we ended up manufacturing like a ridiculous number of pins. And uh, yeah, but we did fine. Um, we uh, They said that they're always chasing break even. And that they try to use it as uh, a big promotion for themselves uh, during the year. And and that made a lot of sense to me. And so going in with the idea of, yeah, we're going to chase breaking even. And then uh, coming out with a profit was, you know, was actually really like really heartening. I was like, oh, I'm going to come back to this super expensive show. In fact, next time we're going to spend a lot more money and, and do it better. You know, yeah. um, the, the thing about. What we did is we, we had a nice corner booth and we just had some signage and some tables. And when I looked at, you know, the entire vibe of San Diego Comic-Con is big, you know, like there was a there was a seven foot tall Tamagotchi on the floor of San Diego Comic-Con. And so I was just like, yeah, I, I need to do something a lot more, um, a lot more visually interesting, a lot more intense, because the thing that I think at that show stopped more people from coming to see me was that my table was boring. My table mm-hmm. was, a, was a, a table with some merchandise with some guy at it signing stuff. And uh, the people who were across from me, uh, little friends of printmaking, who are fucking hilarious. They have a beautiful screen printed flag that says Milwaukee sucks. That was like just <laughs> hung over there, over there the table. And I like I loved it. But they had actually um, printed, you know, walls out of paper. Um, that, and made their booth into something that looked like a store that you were walking into by just printing walls that they hung. And I was like, yeah, like why I, we had so much space. Why didn't we even think to do something like that? And Mm so, um, next year we're not, I mean, we're not cloning their booth, but we're definitely using that as a jumping off point for like how to make something a lot more visually interesting, a lot more attractive to people so we can try to, you know, uh, do a lot better than break even.
0: Yeah. You can have like a standy uh, effing bird. Yeah, exactly. So pose pose with your favorite uh, bird, or you know, yeah. Come up I with usually, your own word bubble.
1: Yeah, I usually come along with like an eight foot uh, owl uh, that's okay. uh, like a pop up banner. Uh, but I changed uh, I changed all my signage for this show, and I think for the better. It's nice, colorful new signage, uh, and it matched the pin set that I was selling, which was which was uh, very like we definitely wanted to sell as many of those pin sets as we could because they were. Um, I, I did a, an art project earlier this year, uh, at, uh, nft.bs, which is a domain I'm very proud of, um, where I drew the same bird 54 times, but with different <laughs> hats. And, um, and anyways, uh, we, we were selling these little hexagon shaped pins with the same bird, but wearing different hats. Uh, that's all say, fuck NFTs. And so, uh, those were, I was very proud of my San Diego comic con. exclusive.
0: That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID, yeah, convention life. Because I mean, obviously, you know, things shut down for a little while uh, in 2020. They started ramping back up in 2021, and it feels like stuff's getting more or less back to normal, or not. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. What was what was life like before COVID, and what is it like? What was it like kind of during, and what's it like now? Yeah. Um,
1: so there was a definite. Um, There was a definite period where, you know, well, there's obviously there was a time when we had nothing. And then the coming back period was weird. Um, The late 2021, like shows starting to open up was this real gamut of shows that were small and like tightly controlled and like very like uh, show vaccination status or negative tests and wear masks the whole time and shows that we're just like not that at all. And um, it's really has depended entirely on the venue in the city. And I think that um, attendance to all of them um, while it's getting better and better is still low because people are a little skittish. You know, people don't want to be out there in huge crowds and I mean I get it Uh, at San Diego um, which was which was a very good crowd it just wasn't you know a pre-pandemic level crowd and it was a show where uh, it was uh, show a negative test or show vaccination status to get into the building and uh, wear masks the whole time and I mean I know at least 10 people uh, who caught COVID at that show and Mm -hmm. so I mean that's just going to be it's it's a place where you go where there's lots of people. You know, yep. and so and I think you're the close show, together and yeah, exactly. And you're talking, you're talking right in each other's faces in right. a loud environment, you know. Um, and I think that um, that's just the reality of these shows is that like, you know, if you have uh, at risk family members, uh, you probably shouldn't go to one right now. You know, you should probably wait until I don't know. I know, like I'm just, I was going to say, you should wait until this is over. But I don't know that that's a thing that's happening. So I think that you should just be cautious, and you should always, you know, um, be realistic about about what happens when large groups of people get together. And but like, it, it's really it's also interesting to see the uh, fan reaction and the guest reaction because some shows uh, don't have any requirements at all, and there are a lot of guests and a lot of fans who who find that more stressful and then won't won't come out to it if that makes sense you know because like sure. it's yeah if it's like i i think that the uh, the way san diego did with uh uh, uh the requirement of a uh, either a vaccination status or a negative test ahead of time through some app that's some third-party thing um i think that like that's about as i think that's kind of the ideal you know just like hey uh just making sure that people check themselves before they come is like you know it's all yeah. you can ask um and I, but then some shows that were a lot more strict um seemed to have better attendance so you know not better attendance because san diego comic-con is the biggest one but had more mm-hmm. more close to pre-covid attendance if mm-hmm. that makes
0: sense When you say stricter, stricter than, uh, you know, uh, vaccination or negative test, what 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 is? Well, so that's
1: like it would be like uh, it would be uh, uh, showing vaccinations, vaccination status only and uh, vaccination status um, shown and QR coded on the way into the building every day. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. cool.
0: Yeah. yeah no I mean it's interesting I uh, you know I, I spend a lot of time on on the internet basically saying look movie theaters are more or less safe you yeah. know you like this it's a it's a thing but at the same time I also know people who were 100% more likely to attend even like when covid was raging before vaccinations were you know kind of uh, widely available we were, were, were still more likely to attend when Mass were required when there was still the space spaced out seating, et cetera, et cetera, Um, which I I, like what I get. I understand people. People are worried for good reason. Bad disease. Nobody wants to get it. I had it early and it's it's not it's not it's not great. It's not great. It's not Uh,
1: not a fun experience.
0: But one thing one thing you had mentioned that is is that even b- before COVID, there was there was like a whole season of convention crud. Right. That oh, yeah like, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. like this is like, you know, it's like kids at camp. Right. Like you're going to end up somebody's going to get something. And yep.
1: yeah. um, Yeah. That's um, that's actually a very uh, that was a common refrain of when we started doing uh, shows with masks as things started to come back. It was like, yeah, but I didn't get a, that weird cold that everybody gets after the con, you know, and. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't get it either. That's great. It's And it's it was very refreshing to not get that. And so uh, there definitely were some people who were like, maybe I should just always wear a mask to a show, even if we, you know, end up out of a pandemic, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's just a it's a, a great big building with, you know, with 50,000 or 100,000 people in it. Somebody's going to bring something into that. Somebody's got a kid that's gone to school and brought something home
0: or, you know, whatever else. <laughs> yes i'm uh, with two in school myself i'm yep. aware of all of these oh, yeah. fun things uh let me let me ask in terms of your in terms of your uh, uh professional balance when you when you're looking at your convention first of all how many conventions a year do you go to just i on try,
1: average? yeah i try not to do more than two a month because that's a lot um and i did like i mean i did one every weekend for you know, five weeks, which was a stupid decision and I shouldn't do it ever again. Um, But I mean, it was part of that was I'm even I'm still fulfilling commitments to shows from Mm pre-pandemic, you know, Um, and they just when they all line up in a row it's like, fine, I'm going to fly from one to the other to the other. Uh, But, uh, you know, there's there's sort of like there's work life balance. And I know guys who can work while they're at shows, because the thing is for um, especially for comics artists at smaller publishers, even at the larger publishers, they don't get paid a ton. You know, Uh there's not a lot of money in, um, uh, i don't want to like if i if i say some specific comics people know what i'm talking about so i'm not going to say any specific comics, but i mean <laughs> you know they're, they're smaller publishers they don't they don't pay great i mean it's it's not an industry that you know has a ton of money until you get to the movie and tv side and so the thing is like they're doing the shows because that's a primary income for them because they can mm-hmm. you know they can make more money selling original sketches and and stuff like that uh than they can you know drawing the books themselves and, but they have to continue working on the books. And so like, I know guys that I've talked to, that get up at like four in the morning cause they have two pages to finish and then come out and do the show. And like, that's, that's wild to me. And I don't think I could do that. Like, I don't like, I find the shows exhausting enough as it is. So I don't think I could like put my, put the pedal down that far and also work at the show. Um, and so part of me trying to stick to two a month, uh, or less is that I need time to I write a daily comic so you know I have to do the daily comic and uh, mm-hmm. and I mean part of my my horrible um, uh, uh, my horrible gauntlet right of the last like six weeks or so was that I had the deadline to submit all of the comics for the my 2024 page a day calendars so, like a whole year worth of comics uh, was like you know, three weeks ago, but it was in the mm-hmm. middle of me doing all these shows back to back to back to back. And so I was sort of really digging to get all those comics done. And so, you know, the nice thing for me right now is that I can take a little break from writing, which is, you know, which is nice when can take a little break from making stuff. But like, yeah, um, it's, I, it's, it's hard and it's hard to find the balance. Cause also like I have three kids, you know, I don't want to be on the road all the time. I want to hang out with my yeah. kids. Um, I, um, I, you know, I have a nice house that I would like to spend some time in because, you know, (laughs) it costs a lot of money. So, (laughs) you know, know, things like that. And so, um, yeah, it's it's hard to figure out what the right balance is. And I think every person is going to find their own balance because I think some people like really just like thrive on the sort of the chaos of these shows. And and to be fair, that chaos is a lot of fun. Uh, and you, you start making these little like family units at these shows and a bunch of people that I met, uh, because I got randomly invited to a party at Winnipeg comic con have like become a, like a little surrogate, you know, con family. so we're always happy when we, when we run into each other, but what's great is that we introduce people to whoever we met at the last show and we make the, the, the the group a little bit bigger every time. And so. You know, I'm really looking forward to I'm looking forward to to Fan Expo in Toronto because uh, I know that there's like a dozen people that I'm going to see there that I haven't seen since uh, since Denver. And so, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's nice to go hang out with them again. And so, like, I can see, especially for somebody who doesn't have kids, uh, that this becomes like a huge can also be like a huge social, you know, outlet because sure. Sure. there are so many like. I mean, I got invited to the greatest uh, – uh, some some guys in, in Montreal bought an old Hells Angels nightclub and turned it into their comic studio. And then they had like a party there after Montreal Comic-Con one night. And it was just like – it was the greatest just to hang out with a bunch of uh, weird artists in a former Hells Angels <laughs> nightclub, you know?
0: Yeah, I was going to – I mean, I, I I was curious what, the, what the, after, the after show scene is like. Is it just a bunch of, you know – Uh, artists, comic artists, you know, uh, industry folks getting together back at a a bar or restaurant or a bunch of weird
1: weird nerds in like the hotel (laughs) lobby or like, um, uh, we, we try to find, um, well, especially uh, that's, you know, very, I'm very thankful to have found this little group of people because they're always looking for something to do. And there's some instigators in the group who will, you know, you know, there's, uh, my friend, uh, Heather, um, is notorious for climbing on statues in different cities around the world. And so, uh, you know, if there's that bull statue outside of the restaurant, Heather's going to be riding the bull statue. (laughs) So, you know, stuff like
0: that. Well, you mentioned around the world. Now that you've done San Diego, where in the world uh, would Aaron Reynolds want to go? Oh. What's like on the bucket list of conventions?
1: So I turned down a show uh, in – Angeleum, France, because I was like, why the hell do I like, I'm like, I, I would love to go to France, but like, what does France want with me? Uh, and that was before I found out that I'd sold a shit ton of books in France. And um, I was like, oh man, now I feel really bad about saying no. And so it's like, how do I very nicely, you know, apologize and say, can I still say yes to next time? You know, I was sick. Uh, yeah. I, was I was worried just, I about was, COVID. I didn't understand. I'm better now. I, I didn't understand that I'm popular in France, <laughs> you know, uh, cause and, and you know, part of that too is my, my French is really like, I mean, I speak Canadian French, which is already a strike against me in France, but um, it's also like rusty high school Canadian French. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure that trying to, hold a conversation with me in French is maddening for anyone who cares about the language but you know I can make myself understood um yeah that I really want to go do that show uh, especially because I, I know some people who went to it and said it was absolutely fantastic um and uh I, the biggest show in the world is in Japan and I would love to go to that one although I, that really feels like a show I would want to go just to attend rather than mm-hmm. to you know um Rather than to be at a table at, because one of the things is, like, I didn't really get to experience San Diego Comic-Con. I got to experience what it's like to be on the other side of the table at San Diego Comic-Con and watch the whole con pass me. Um, And so, you know, I would have liked to have, you know, been a a visitor to the show at some point. But, you know, you know, what can you do? Uh, I changed I changed what I do for a living. So I can't I'm not really a con attendee anymore. And. um uh, actually, I'm really excited to go back to. Uh, I did last year in November uh, a show in, in England called Thought Bubble, which was like just the greatest little show um, because it's like, I don't want to say it's snooty, but it's super picky about about who gets in. And there is not selective. a selective. Fun- yeah, it's, there's not a Funko Pop insight. There's no licensed anything there. There's like hardly anything related to marvel or dc it literally is small press and like independent creators and like it's invigorating like it's great to that was a show where i definitely abandoned my own table for half an hour and just walked to the room because it was just so exciting and um i did get to meet uh sean phillips at that show which was a big deal to me because i don't know do you, do you know i don't the, know I don't oh know. man you should read the comic book criminal uh any of any of criminal it's so great um it's just like Noirish, ish uh, you know, crime. Uh, it's, uh, it's so, so terrific. Him, Ed, him and Ed Brubaker. Uh, Brubaker's the writer. Phillips is the artist. And, uh, oh, you know what you should read? If you're going to read one thing by him, read Pulp. Uh, it's just, it's a great, short, um, wonderful thing. And uh, when I uh, when I met him, all I could get out of those, like, was just my, express my extreme love for Pulp. And, uh, of course, he did not have a copy of Pulp there that he, I could buy <laughs> and get signed. So I was like, bah, but, you know. Yeah, that's that was a great show, and I, I really liked it, and I'm looking forward to doing that one again in November.
0: Uh, cool. Yeah, that 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 does sound like a fun show. Ed Brubaker, I I, I recognize Sean Phillips. I'm uh, I'm I'm am so removed from that's the okay. World of comic books you know, see, at this I point just, in my I, life. I gave you, you something
1: know. to read, and it's really I appreciate good. that. Read it. it's, I appreciate uh, that. Pulp is like I, so a, I, a, an ex cowboy. Um, it's a guy in the 19. 19- 40s writing cowboy novels except it turns out he's really writing his own story because he was a notorious outlaw you know like 50 years before yeah uh it's it's really terrific and then then there's nazis and a bunch of other
0: stuff it's great i mean you can't can't go wrong yeah cowboys and nazis cowboys and nazis yep and crime that's it uh i have i have a question here and i i if you you don't want to talk about this because i'm sure you get this fair (laughs) amount but what happened when Britney Spears Instagrammed your uh, <laughs> your product? Because I I feel like this is like one of these weird world worlds colliding moments when I when I saw that happen I was like wait what? what yeah what's going on I got a lot of text messages and they were like I, do you follow Britney Spears on Instagram and I was like I, I mean I
1: don't why what happened and and they're like well she's she's she posted about you I was like really and it was this like strange moment of like. Britney Spears has a conception that I'm a human being that exists. That's weird, right? That's really weird. Um, and um, it was, I mean, it was great. Um, I did get a, an email from my my American publisher that was like, hey, can you think of anything you did last week? Because you sold a lot of books last week. And I was like, oh, that was, <laughs> that was Britney Spears. She did that. You know, and it was like, it like drove uh, Amazon sold out of books that week. Um, and, uh, and they're, they're pretty good at, you know, at stock levels and ordering. So, um, yeah, uh, it was like, it was wild and we did sell a lot of books, but we didn't like sell, you know, it wasn't like it was Christmas, you know, and I was selling Christmas levels of books. It was just really, really good. And I think that, um, that's what's like fascinating to me about the whole idea of like influencers and, you know, uh, all it takes is like a big celebrity to like name check your thing. It's like, I mean, that helps. It certainly helps. And I'm not saying it was, it was nothing or or not valuable because it was super valuable. It definitely like it paid. I, my oldest kid is going to university in the fall and uh, we, I definitely need these royalties, you know, they're very, very helpful for paying for tuition. Um, But uh, it's not like, it wasn't like life changing. It wasn't a life changing moment. I, I got um, uh, I probably got an extra ten thousand followers out of it, which was great. Um, nice, yeah, yeah. exactly, because that's um, you know, that's uh. Oh, and actually, I got a lot of followers on my personal account on Instagram, uh, which was hilarious because I'm. I post weird garbage to my personal account and uh, she tagged my personal account in the post and I went from like 800 followers to like 3,000 followers on my personal account which was hilarious and I'm just, I don't know what these people are expecting from me, I expect (laughs) them to fall off any day now because I'm posting pictures of, uh, at San Diego we had this little, uh, somebody gave me a little rubber ghost that's like the squishy children's toy thing that, I don't know, it comes from Japan that people like and, uh, and he immediately fell on the ground and was covered in dirty you know lint and dirt from the ground because he was all white so i put him on my table and i put a little speech balloon beside him and said hello i am gross ghost and then people touched him all weekend and he kept getting grayer and more <laughs> disgusting and so i was just documenting like here's gross ghost's evolution over the course of the <laughs> weekend so i mean that's what you get from my personal instagram so
0: Okay, so uh, tell me about what happened with the the Red Power Ranger uh, in Des Moines.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Des Moines Comic Con, um I really I had a great time at that show. Um they had done the most ridiculous bit of promotion which was they did a set of pogs um out of like, you know, some Des Moines um <laughs> Des Moines related things and then the Con's mascot which was a flying cow and then the Red Power Ranger um, uh, Austin St. John and then there was a Pog of me so like that's that's kind of where that's where we're at with this show like I'm like I don't know I was like billed like fourth or fifth on the website which was pretty great it was it was the Red Power Ranger and then like Kel Mitchell and then uh, somebody from you know some anime voice actors and then, and then me um, and so anyways um, these Pogs are really great but the night before the show uh, the Red Power Ranger is arrested in an FBI uh, you know operation, uh, uh, gathering up people who defrauded the American government's like COVID payroll, you know, <laughs> protection program. And so they announced that he was unable to appear at the show due to unforeseen personal commitments, which made me laugh until I wanted to cry. But then I started kidnapping uh, the red Power Ranger Pogs and I had uh, a white acrylic marker and a black Sharpie. And uh, I just um, I Googled images of the Hamburglar and then I started turning his, his uh, Power ranger uniform into a black and white striped jailhouse you know like old school jailhouse uniform and um that was that was very exciting and it got very um it 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 started going around the con that i was doing it and people were like will you sell me one of those power rangers pogs and i was like well i don't think i should do that but if you want to like buy one of my books or something like that i will happily draw (laughs) you a power rangers pod bring me a power rangers and buy my book let's go and uh and then I uh, ended up sitting down at dinner uh, beside who I later found out was like his, his like his like appearance manager, <laughs> and she was like, she was like, some jerk at this show is you know defacing the pogs. Like, him in <laughs> and I was like, do I tell her that that was me, or do I just keep eating my dinner?
0: Uh, well, I mean, did you? Did you? Which Which adventure did you choose? I owned up to it. I owned okay. up to it. I was like, yeah, that was me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that is that's wild. That is wild. Uh, did he ever make it? Did he make it back to the show for any of the uh, he's like,
1: the- I, well, I think that the organizers are mad at him. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I don't know that he's like, I don't know that he's invited to any shows right now. I, he has not appeared at any shows that I've been at. And I've been at a bunch of shows with Power Rangers recently. Um, there was the across the aisle from me at San Diego was a Power Ranger. Um, um, oh, shoot. Walter. What's Walter's last name? i feel really bad i was not a power rangers person so me neither I, you know i'm no. exactly the wrong age for for power rangers but i uh, gotta say unlike some power rangers walter had great taste in music and the music he was blasting on his uh, little boom box was just terrific and i enjoyed it all show uh, unlike uh the green power ranger who i don't know likes venga boys and that was just like mm. i couldn't take that for a whole show no um, you don't
0: you don't need that you don't need that in your in your life yeah uh awesome so I, I always <laughs> like to close I always like to close these these interviews by asking if there's anything I should have asked if there's anything you think people should know about your your job your your life mm-hmm. uh, convention life you know the business of this side of things oh, yeah uh, I was, what do you what do you think yeah people should know?
1: I was thinking that um, um, that how the finances all change when you get really famous because um, I've had a few conversations about it uh, because I've ended up, you know, talking to lots of con organizers over the last you know, year or so. And um, uh, I found it fascinating what it's like for uh, like an A-list celebrity to come to one of these shows. Uh, because, you know, generally they'll pay like travel and hotel and all that stuff for them. Um, but they, uh, in many cases, will not pay a fee. And instead, will guarantee that they'll make a certain amount of money on photo ops and autographs. Hmm.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. So imagine that you are. Um, uh, oh, somebody actually gave me a great example of a, a smaller show where they brought in a relatively, uh, you know, relatively big name, and he did not make his. They guaranteed that he would do eighty thousand dollars in autographs over the course of the weekend, and he did like seventy thousand, and so they had to pay him out ten thousand dollars out of the box office to top Mm -hmm. it up and uh and so i like armed with that information i started asking every con organizer i know like what who is the most expensive person you've ever given a guarantee to and i did hear that there was a star wars actor that commanded two million dollars for a weekend that was their minimum and so like and i was like wow can like can you actually sign two million dollars worth of Autograph yeah. and take $2 million worth of photographs with somebody in a weekend. And uh, I mean, apparently you can, but uh, the guy I was talking to was like, Yeah, we were trying to book him for that, knowing that we would probably pay him out uh, at least part of that amount, but it was going to be worth it for having him on the poster, you know, sure. that, that he was sure. And so, like, I was like, Yeah, okay, $2
0: million. That's... Is this and... a, is this a, is this, I, uh, let me, I I, I, I assume you don't want to give me a name where you would have already, yeah. but are we talking, are we talking old, original? Old, old, yeah, original. original Original trilogy okay
1: all right they told me that they couldn't get that guy and so they got somebody from the new trilogy for like a for for six figures instead of seven (laughs) so yeah yeah.
0: that's crazy yeah i think it's like like
1: the scale of it kind of blows my mind but having had a photo op like i went uh at niagara falls that show where i was billed below the monsters coach uh, i was super excited because ponch and john from chips were there i was like wow, Larry Wilcox and Eric Estrada, like, <laughs> let's go, let's go do this photo op. I never do photo ops. And they had um, they had the original, somebody had done a, a restoration of one of the original Kawasaki's and done it up in the chips colors and everything. And so yeah. it was a photo op with Panch and John and the motorcycle. And like, really that was like a very like you got in you said hi they like you know, they everybody posed the picture was done and i think they were doing a picture every 30 seconds or something like that and so yeah. and then if you go and get an autograph from them afterwards they get an extra you know they get it. these guys got like an extra 50, 50 bucks for their autograph on it afterwards so you know you pay i paid like 150 dollars for the picture and then i paid 50 dollars for each of their signatures and so i was like well yeah. you know that was 250 dollars, and they were doing that every 30 seconds so you know that can uh, add up.
0: I guess I mean you can if still two million dollars. Yeah. Well, that's, that's and that's it. Actually, and I
1: also I met a guy who um, uh, who told me about uh, the guys who used to own one of the biggest shows that sold it because they made more money just on their photo op business, and so now they travel to all the different shows to to do the photos part of it you know, hmm. for those shows, because that, that was the most lucrative part of the business for them. And it's like, yeah that, yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of money in that. I mean, yeah, that makes. Yeah. But like the four hobbits, I can't imagine what it cost for uh, uh, at all the fan expo shows. There's four hobbits doing a
0: reunion. And I was like, I saw I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I was like, God, that that yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's also just a big time commitment for those guys. Yeah. Like working actors yeah. like who are, you know.
1: Well, that's it. And still, and, and you know what? And part of that and part of the interesting thing is that like often uh The shows will have a um, uh, um, when when you're making these agreements with shows, when you're like a like an A-lister, often it'll be like an organizer who does like 10 or 12 or 15 shows. And they'll say, you know, we'd like to we'd like you to commit to doing like 75 percent of these. You know, it's never a 100%. But then they announce them for 100% and then they cancel, you know, due to, you know, unforeseen circumstances or whatever. Mm -hmm. they cancel at like 10 or 20% of them. Uh, Ming-Na just canceled at Fan Expo in Toronto, for example. Um, But um, uh, uh, it's it's like, it's really wild to me, like, that they got so many of the Hobbits for so many shows. Because I know that... um, Oh, I feel bad. I've forgotten his name, but he's on Moonhaven now. So I figured he'd be doing like Moonhaven promo and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that like him appearing at these shows is part of that, you know, is that like with the panels and everything he gets to talk about, uh, he gets to talk about his new show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but like, uh, uh yeah. Oh, so I was, I was talking to, um, uh, Brian O'Halloran from Clerks. I ended up in Denver. Uh, I went cowboy shirt shopping with Brian O'Halloran from Clerks. Which hey. is like a, there's like a there's like an only at you know Comic Con yeah. kind of thing. But um, yeah, he was he was saying that there was a show. There was one show that uh, Kevin Smith couldn't do because they're all, they're doing all the shows to promote Clerks Three. Sure. Uh, sure. And there was one show that Kevin Smith couldn't do, and so the organizer of the show like canceled the other four guys because it's like mm-hmm. it's Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes and Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson and I forget the. Trevor guy what's what's Trevor anyways he's Uh, yeah Um, yeah.
0: well I mean but I I feel like see that's a weird one though because I feel like if you're a fan of clerks I I feel like if you're a fan of Kevin Smith you would also go to see those guys too right like I feel I I almost feel like that's one of those ones would
1: you get the photo op with four of the guys and not Kevin Smith Because that's, you know, because they've got to figure out their minimum, right? They've got to figure out, are we going to pay out these guys? Because not enough people are doing the photo. So it's like, it's a fascinating business. I think it's truly fascinating. And like the celebrity side of it is really hard and like really weird and really like, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of spreadsheets in there. <laughs> a lot
0: of spreadsheets for I'm what sure. nerds like, you know. And then a lot of demand curve. Yeah, and, you exactly. Know. And
1: like, and then what's your like? Who do you put on the poster? Uh, I was talking to somebody who was uh, was uh, mystified that a recent show had Weird Al appearing at it and didn't put Weird Al in the promos. And I was like, but like Weird Al is a draw. Like Weird
0: Al yeah. is a big draw. So you know, I, I mean, how much of that is contractual? How much of it is like? You know, uh, if I'm going to be at this this show, you have to put me in the poster or alternatively, like you cannot you cannot use my name to advertise it. Because I know this is like this is in the movie business, for instance, sometimes you will get an actor to be in a movie and it'll be he will do it for scale and it'll be, you know, a, a quick scene or something. But like part of that is you can't put them in the trailers, can't put them on the poster. It's you know, it's not a. Sylvester Stallone movie it is you know he just right. happens to be there as a nice little easter egg what
1: well, that's the um, the the story of um why Steve McQueen's not in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is because they couldn't agree to how his name would be displayed alongside uh Paul Newman's on the poster yeah you know and there's yeah. the, the uh William Goldman tells the story of even like trying to put the names across each other in an x <laughs> like like bullet holes or something and McQueen yeah. wasn't going for it and eventually pulled out of it
0: yeah, exactly. But yeah. I mean, I, I do, I wonder how much of that is, you know, yeah, uh, I, just contractual. I actually don't know any
1: of that part. And that's a question that I will clearly ask people the next time, you know, I'm at one of these shows. <laughs> um, I know that, uh, I get asked sometimes if I'll do press, uh, if I'm a guest at a show, um, I'll get like, uh, uh, some like, uh, hey, uh, the day before the show, we want you, there's this radio station and this radio station. And can you just call into these two guys? You know, and that's always like, I'm like, of course, will I go on the radio and talk about things that you can buy from me? Yes. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but I'm not sure everybody wants to do that or is like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, up for doing that. I think sometimes it's just enough to have their name on the, on the poster. And I mean, some people who do these shows are doing it, uh, because it's a really good money and they don't seem to be having a good time. Uh, there's a notorious, uh, uh, older star Trek actor who's like a, I don't know, he's kind of a big old grump at these shows and he's just like miserable. And if you run into him in the green room, he's like, who's getting my coffee? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. well, you know, it's like, I mean, I mean, I'll get your coffee. I'm at the bottom of the poster. or I'm not on this <laughs> poster, but like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: fine. But like, I mean, you know, and, and, and knowing that the the money is really big, like kind of explains why, he does them and like he's a guy who he'll do a show one night. He'll do a Friday at one show and then he'll get on a plane Saturday morning and go do Saturday afternoon at a different show, Man. you know, and like, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. I mean,
0: the money is I, I I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked by some of the numbers you're throwing mm. around, but I guess I shouldn't be because I, I mean, I see these I see I see this sort of thing happen, you yeah. know, folks, folks doing tons and tons of shows and you know you always hear stories about the, the guys who are kind of miserable and you're like well why why do it but that yeah, yeah. makes sense now why do you do it it makes sense because two million dollars that's why <laughs> I would do a lot of things that I hate for two million dollars I would do NFTs for two million I mean, dollars you know, but... I'm just going <laughs> to say that right now <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. What's Where can people go to get your stuff? Mm. Not at a convention. Yeah. What's, give me a website. Uh, if you, Not, A non NFT website.
1: <laughs> NFT.BS, my favorite. It took so much effort to register that URL. Um, I, you can find uh, F Birds on your social media platform of choice at F and Birds, E F F I N Birds, and uh, at F which is where my weird merchandise store is um i you know you can find me on a lot of stuff also at aaron reynolds uh that's where you know you'll find not only pictures of things like gross ghost but also uh weird stuff like i started making embroidered uh pullover shirts instead of a little alligator or a little man riding a horse uh, they have a small dog that's vomiting and uh, that's my new like you know fuck you to professionalism (laughs) That's (laughs) (laughs) that's my new little that's my new garbage
0: vomiting dog shirts yeah. uh, and, and birds postcards yeah. dog, dog uh, vomit
1: dot shop
0: <laughs> all right uh, Aaron thank you so much for being on the show uh, and if you're if you're in uh, if you're at, uh, in town when Aaron is coming in for a convention go say hi come from see me yeah work goes to Hollywood uh, that'll be that will make me happy um, and I'm sure it will make Aaron happy and uh, everyone will be happy and you'll be happy so that's that's good Uh, Again, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, My name is Sonny Bunch. I'll be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. I'll see you guys then.